Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from Sanello. When it comes to moving an entire life, experience matters every step of the way. Sanello makes moving easy for you and your loved ones. Whether your move is domestic or international, their relocation services are exceptional. For more information or to get a quote, visit sanello.com. That's S-A-N-E-L-O dot com. Sanello, for what moves you. Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, as you may have heard us mention on recent episodes, this year is gearing up to be the biggest year for tourism in Rome ever. Maybe, maybe, maybe only the year 2000, the jubilee of the millennia year, maybe that can top it, but it's going to be a busy year. Last year was busy too. People traveling after a long time of not being able to travel and lots of people, of course, chose Italy because, hey, why wouldn't you? But this year, according to hotel bookings and airline bookings that are already in place, it's looking to be busier than ever. So if you're coming to Rome this season, I'm going to make your day right now because I'm going to give you some suggestions of museums that you can visit that will, I can almost guarantee, not be crowded. Some of them, maybe even empty. When you're in a city that has as many museums as Rome has, and I think it has upwards of 60 museums, well, it means that most of those museums are empty on any given day, which is not great for the museum, but it's great if you like to visit museums and not be crammed into a sardine can. Of course, the Vatican Museums is a major destination for most people coming to Rome. So is the Colosseum. But there's nothing that says, there's no rule that says that you have to go to those places. No one is going to stop you on your way out of the country and ask you, did you go to the Vatican museums and not allowed you to get on your plane if you didn't? So I always tell people, you know what? You don't have to go. You might come back to Rome again. You might come back to Rome in the middle of the winter, in a winter unlike this past winter, when there actually is a low season. And you might be able to visit the Vatican at that time. So just because you skip the Vatican museums, I'm not saying you should, but if you decide you just can't take it, you can't take the crowds, or hey, maybe you didn't manage to get tickets, and that's a very common thing right now. I have several options for you, several other possibilities, and, and they're really honestly not crowded, and they're wonderful. You might like them better than the Vatican. So there's really no good place to start because all of these museums are absolutely delightful, but I'm going to start with one of my personal favorites, which is Villa Farnesina in Trastevere. It is such a delight. I've probably talked about it on this podcast a couple of times. I may have mentioned it in the mini episode I did on Rome for Kids because it's a great museum to take kids to because you can visit it in about 45 minutes. It's so, so lovely. It's very small, two levels, probably about six or seven rooms at the most. And the highlight of this museum is, of course, on the ground floor, the Loggia of Cupid and Psyche. 
It is frescoed by the school of Raphael, and it's an absolute explosion of color, of whimsy, of fruit and flowers, and this really beautiful myth of Cupid and Psyche, which is told in scenes on the ceiling. And it's really just absolutely breathtaking and lovely. And like I said, it's more often than not half empty, if not more so. Also on the ground floor is a fresco by Raphael's own hand, which is the triumph of Galatea. Right across the street is the Galleria Corsini, which is one of the two sites of the National Museum of Ancient Art. So Galleria Barberini, Palazzo Barberini being the other one. So Palazzo Corsini is not quite as impressive as Palazzo Barberini. It's definitely smaller, but it is really beautiful. And it, walking through its galleries really gives you the idea of what the homes of the wealthy, wealthiest people were like in Renaissance and Baroque Rome. Uh, because, of course, it was a private residence and it was decorated just as you see it with those same paintings that are on the walls. And because it is so uncrowded, even less crowded than Villa Farnesina, it really does give you that impression. And I, I used to know the director of that museum. She has It has since changed directors, but I used to know the director. She was a friend of my husband's family. And every time I, I went to visit her, I felt like I was going to visit like a duchess or something who, who, uh, you know, who had an office at the end of, uh, at the end of one of the long galleries. There is also a Caravaggio painting there, which is St. John in the wild, probably not the most amazing Caravaggio painting, not, not probably anybody's favorite, but it's, it's still by Caravaggio's hand. So it's worth seeing. There are also paintings there by Guido Reni, Guercino, Rubens, and Orazio Gentileschi, and many, many others. Another great museum to visit that's super small, super easily visited, and best of all, empty at the best of times, is Galleria Spada. It's really right across the river from those two museums. You can just sort of cross Ponte Sisto. You won't be far away. Galleria Spada has two main attractions. One is the actual painting gallery, which is on the upper level, where you can find works by Guido Reni, Tintoretto, Annibali Caracci, Artemisia Gentileschi, even Bernini. But what I think the real, real gem of this small museum is, is the Force Perspective by Borromini, which is in the garden. So if you, if you choose to visit both, you have to go to the Galleria first upstairs. You could probably visit it in about 30 minutes. And then you go down the stairs and into the garden and you will see an absolutely mesmerizing optical illusion by Francesco Borromini, one of the greatest architects who ever lived. Another amazing museum is Galleria Colonna. Now, this, might, this museum is only open on Saturday mornings, and I think they might be open on Sundays now, too. Uh, they're definitely not open every day of the week. Uh, it used to be just every Saturday morning, but I think there might be another opening day now, so check that. But Galleria Colonna uh, is still owned by the Colonna family, just like Palazzo Corsini. It was the family home. It is technically the family home, but the rooms that are the most spectacular and the, the ones that house the majority of the art collection are not lived in by the family. They are just opened on that one or two specific days of the week. It's incredible. It's similar to Galleria Pamphili, if you've been there, but maybe even more spectacular with long gilded galleries full of mirrors and chandeliers and incredible ornate stucco decoration with gold leaf everywhere and gorgeous polychrome marble floors. 
and paintings as well, paintings by Caracci, Tintoretto, Veronese, Perugino, and Bronzino. And there's also a kind of cute curiosity there, which is that on a tiny little, I wouldn't even call it a staircase, it's sort of like four little stairs, three or four steps in the middle of the gallery, there is a small cannonball embedded into one of the stairs that was also cracked when that cannon flew in the window in 1849 when Rome was under attack by French soldiers. Another great museum that is, I mean, I've been in this museum before and been the only person there. And that is the Museums of Villa Torlonia. It's a little bit harder to get to. You probably will need to take a bus because it's up in the Nomentana neighborhood, but it's totally worth it if you have the time. It's actually a, a big park, similar to Villa Pamphili, but on a much, much smaller scale. So it's a large park with palm trees and pine trees and fountains and an obelisk. And there are three museums within that same park, all making up one single museum. It's on, all under the same ticket. Probably the, the most well-known of those three museums is the Casina delle Civette, the Owl House. And if you only have time to visit one, I would definitely pick the Owl House. It's totally right out of a fairy tale. It looks like a cross between a Swiss chalet and a medieval hamlet. It's got little tiny sloping roofs going every direction. It's got lots of little balconies and little bridges and all sorts of unusual decoration. But what it's really most famous for are the stained glass windows inside. The majority are by Duilio Cambellotti, and uh, they date to the early 1900s. And there's several more art glass windows by his contemporaries. And a lot of them depict animals, different types of birds, swans, owls, of course, frogs, mermaids. It's really spectacular. There are roses and and fruits and other types of flowers. And it's really beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's worth going just to see those stained glass windows. And the way that they are placed within the house itself is extremely artistic. So it's not just like you're looking at stained glass windows that are presented at a museum. They're actually still part of the house. And the other two museums are great as well, particularly the Casino Nobile, which is very grand and has, uh, has lots of neoclassical elements in it. Another great museum, if you like to visit museums and be practically the only person there, is Centrale Monte Martini. This is also not quite in the center of town. It's sort of in the San Paolo area, the Ostiense area. So you'll probably need to catch a bus, but it's pretty easy straight shot down via Ostiense to get there. The museum is fascinating because of really where it's located. So it's sort of the overflow of the Capitoline Museum's collection. So mostly ancient art, I think actually exclusively ancient Roman art, statuary and mosaics specifically. But it's where it is that makes it so unusual. So they've displayed these works in an old power station from the turn of the 20th century. So there's these huge iron turbines and tubes everywhere. There's all of this sort of industrial area machinery that makes such an interesting backdrop for the ancient sculptures and mosaics. And like I said, it's a practically empty museum. So um, so worth a visit if you want to see some great art, but not be around a lot of people. And of course, there's the Keats Shelley House, a favorite of Katie and myself. And the location can't be beat. It's basically right next to the uh, Spanish Steps. 
It's another very small museum that you can visit in probably a half an hour to 45 minutes if you're a fan of the romantics, if you're a fan of poetry, particularly if you're a fan of Keats, it's a great place to go because you can see the room where Keats lived and eventually died in Rome in 1821. There are many books of his and writings and also of other artists, a great way to deepen your knowledge of the literature of that period. Another excellent museum, and it's actually quite a large museum, is Palazzo Massimo. Palazzo Massimo is part of the Roman National Museum, which is a museum dedicated to almost entirely to ancient Roman art. And it has four different locations. And this particular location is a building near Termini Station, near Piazza della Repubblica. They're all really really well worth a visit. But I think Palazzo Massimo is probably the most amazing one for two main reasons. Number one, the boxer, Il Pugile. There's an incredible bronze sculpture, ancient bronze sculpture of a wounded, defeated boxer sitting down, sort of nursing his wounds, contemplating maybe his next move. It's so unusual because, of course, Almost all ancient Roman bronzes were destroyed during the Middle Ages. This one was saved simply because it was buried and not discovered until the 1800s. It's so great. If you look at it closely, you can see lots of details of his injuries, as well as just the expression is, is really moving. And the other amazing thing to see at Palazzo Massimo is the, the frescoes of the villa of Livia. So Livia, the wife of Emperor Augustus, had a villa just outside of Rome, and when they discovered it and discovered the amazing frescoes inside, in order to preserve the frescoes, they were literally removed from the villa, just the pieces of the wall taken out and brought to this museum. The scene is, um, is her garden. So she took her garden inside by having the trees and flowers and plants and birds depicted on the walls, the inner walls of her villa. So it's really incredible. And there are dozens and dozens of different varieties of trees, birds, and plants depicted in these frescoes. And they've, they've put them in a room that gives you an idea of what it would have been like to be in that room. And last but not least, a museum that I've only visited one time, and it was a long time ago. So I can't say that much about it. I don't have that much knowledge about this museum, but it is the, the National Etruscan Museum of Villa Giulia. This is also a tiny bit harder to get to than the ones located right in the center of Rome, but you can get there easily on a tram. And if you're interested in Etruscan art, it is well worth a visit because it is absolutely full of Etruscan bronze artifacts, most of which were taken from various burial sites around the city. Like the Egyptians, the Etruscans also buried the members of the wealthy classes with items that they believed would aid them in their next life. So you have incredible jewelry, incredible works of even household items that were made of bronze, mirrors, and all sorts of things. So it's really fascinating if you're a fan of Egyptian art. And it's empty. It's really empty. Well, I hope that this will help you to enjoy your time in Rome in a little bit less crowded manner than if you were just planning to go to the Vatican and the Colosseum. And I will be writing up all of these museums, as well as including their opening and closing hours, their websites, and their addresses in our next newsletter. 
So if you're interested in having this all written out so you can consult it easily, make sure you sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. To do that, you can just email us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net and there is a sign up form right when you click on to the website. If you don't want to do either of those things, you can always find us on social media. Particularly, we're active on Instagram. So if you find us at the Bittersweet Life podcast on Instagram, you can just send us a private message with your email address. And either one of those ways, we will get you on our list for our next newsletter that will be coming out sometime near the end of April. I hope that this has been a helpful mini episode. Let us know which one of these museums was your favorite. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Sinello for supporting this program. Sinello offers exceptional relocation services that make moving easy, whether you're moving across the country or across the world. Learn more and request a quote at sinello.com. That's S-A-N-E-L-O dot com. Sinello, for what moves you.